Garden Destinations made this story possible. It's a new digital magazine for travelers who want to include public gardens in their travel plans. Their website is gardendestinations.com. Uh, so we recently had a bloom of an amorphophallus titanum. Uh, that is the world's largest flowering species. We named it, uh, we named it Lupin. Uh, Lupin reached 6 foot 4 and 38 inches wide. Last fall, a special plant bloomed in one of NC State University's greenhouses. It was a baby panda moment. Social media went wild, and people came from all around to marvel. The horticulture department realized it was having a moment, but unlike a zoo with a baby panda, this special arrival would only bloom for 24 hours, so they had to move fast. I'm Lise Jenkins, and this is the Triangle Gardener Show, where your guide to enjoyable gardening in North Carolina. This story is about Lupin. Well, not exactly. It's a story about garden resolutions. But first, you need to know what happened. It started for me when I got a message from Dee Shore. I'm Dee Shore, and I'm a writer in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences at NC State University. I've worked at NC State for about 27 years, and this has been absolutely undoubtedly one of the most popular and well-publicized university events I've been a part of, the blooming of Lupin, the Titan Arum. The horticulture department estimates that over 5,000 people came to see Lupin over a two-day period. At the center of this whirlwind was NC State graduate student Brandon Huber. He's the owner of Lupin. Lupin originally came from the Huntington Botanical Garden in Huntington, California. Uh, the Huntington Botanical Garden is one of the largest cactus and succulent collection gardens in Southern California. Uh, well, it's located in Southern California, a great environment for growing these plants. Uh, the Huntington was one of the first botanical gardens to, um, to regularly bloom these corpse flowers. And um, I was visiting there, I was visiting some family close to, um, close to 10 years ago. And I had, you know, I, I was like, well, I have to stop at, you know, the Huntington. I was in my teens, and I was already growing a lot of crazy plants. I, I grew other amorphophallus, uh, and I knew that Huntington probably had a couple to spare. So I asked if I could buy one, and and I remember he he said to me, he said, "Yeah, you know, what? give me a give me a minute, I'll be back." You know, co- comes back a couple minutes with a little bulb in his hand, and he says, he "says Here you go, you know, if you can fit this in your luggage, it's yours." And when so, you say little, how little? Uh, probably. About like golf ball size, a small tuber, yeah. Okay, so you take this little golf ball size thing home. Yeah. And what do you do with it? So it went, so it went back to Philadelphia, my hometown, and uh, grew in. It actually grew in my work greenhouse there for a number of years. And then I was looking to go to grad school, and and so I, you know, I came up with a tough decision about moving plants, and you know which plants uh, I may need to unload some plants and. Uh, which ones I'm going to move, which ones I can leave for my parents to watch. And I'm like, well, this titanium's got to, it, it just has to come, it has to come with me. we gotta, someone, we got to find a spot for it. And I contacted the conservatory here, Diane, who runs the, the conservatory, and she was more than, more than happy to, to allow me to bring the plant here and grow it, which is typically not, they don't typically want a lot of pet plants from people because you, you can imagine it'd be a little, it'd get a little overkill, you know. So it 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 found a nice uh, home in the conservatory as uh, as a really unique plant. 
So it's been living here ever since. That was uh, fall of 2014 when I moved it here. When I moved it, it was it got it actually was getting pretty big, and I fortunately the plant was dormant during the move during my move. So. I didn't have to worry about hauling this big plant, like live growing plant with me. It was just the bulb. And again, it was at the bulb stage that, you know, when I first moved it from, it flew from California to back to Philadelphia. And here it was as a, a lot bigger bulb. I mean, it was a 10 pound bulb, you know, right just in a pot. But I mean, it was just a big bulb sitting in a pot among all my stuff coming down here uh, to Raleigh and um, potted it up and it, it broke dormancy shortly after moving here and it's been and then it grew uh it grew uh for about two years and it you know it does this uh it does this dormant this plant has a almost an annual cycle where it'll send up a leaf and it'll go dormant and then it'll it'll take like a month nap or so and then it'll send up a new shoot and there'll be another leaf and it'll do another leaf and it'll just keep doing this until it's old enough to finally bloom. So on the re- on the recent dormancy, the bulb weighed 51 pounds. I mean, huge, like 16 inches across and about a foot high, uh, this big, huge tuber. And, and, um, so we kind of at this looking at the size of it, we had really no way of knowing anything, whether it was bud or it was a leaf coming up. We were like, well, you know, and I looked at the stats, I looked at some data online and, uh, apparently they are known to bloom if they're, if they're above 30 pounds. So we're like, wow, we're, we're in the ballpark where we need to be for a flower. So we might see a flower. And, and, um, so it was just kind of waiting game at that point. You know, it's sad dormant for about, um, about two months. And then all of a sudden it started growing. Um, it was actually, let's say it was two months ago, uh, that it started actively growing again and the shoot started coming up and up. And the interesting thing about a morphallus, uh, well, the titanum, is that it, the shoot and the bud come up to the same spot, and you really don't know they're a bud until they're about, like, two feet tall, the shoot. So we really don't know. So the shoot kept developing and developing, and, and it looked a little off to me. It looked a little different, and I, it's never bloomed before, so it looked different. And But I couldn't just say it was a bud because I... How do I know, you know? And I can't just tell everybody. I mean, people love seeing these things bloom, so I can't just, like, tell the world it's going to bloom and then, and then have it not. It did bloom, and people came, by the thousands. I was one of those people who lined up to see it. There were lots of people with kids there. And these weren't the kids that I normally see in public gardens who are running around tearing things up. These kids were mesmerized. Heads back, mouth open, eyes locked on this crazy huge plant that was captivating us all. The spectacle captivated me, so my next stop was to visit Bryce Lane. Bryce is a former TV garden show host, sought-after speaker, and distinguished undergraduate professor at NC State University. I asked Bryce what comes out of all this attention. You know, out of that comes this level of interest that allows you... It's a teachable moment. I mean, as an educator, that's the way I see it. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a, a real teachable moment because you've got their attention because of the bizarre aspect of the plant, you know, how it presents itself. And that gives you the opportunity for them to fall in love with plants beyond just the weird and unusual ones, you know. So is this, is this the most bizarre plant? Is this the weirdest plant? Oh, heavens no. I, there are, you know, I think there are hundreds and hundreds of plants that have unique and interesting stories that if we were to go out of our way to try to tell those stories, we'd, we'd probably have many more people interested in gardening and plants than, than we do. The, I think the challenge is 
trying to find as, as representatives of horticulture and of plants in general, it's finding those plants that have those unique stories. For example, you know, there's a tree that's getting ready to turn bright yellow fall color, ginkgo, okay, maidenhair tree. And what's unique about, the unique story behind that plant is it's, it, it's everywhere, it's an Asian native, um, butter yellow fall color. And then in the middle of the fall, after all the leaves are completely and totally yellow, um, for whatever reason, one night, all the leaves fall and leaving virtually none on the tree. Well, no other tree in the world does that when it drops its leaves. Maples don't do that. Oaks don't do that. But ginkgo does. And if you have that story to tell and you can, sh you can tell someone about, hey, look, here's a plant where, you know, the leaves all fall the very same night so that the, when you go to bed that night, they're all on the tree the next morning, they're carpeting the ground. That's, that's a pretty cool story that generates a little bit of awe, if you will. And that in and of itself can be what launches somebody's interest into plants. Now I'm speaking totally as an educator now in that I believe that the beginning of learning is romance slash awe, creating a sense of awe. That's our responsibility as educators. If we can do that, then the, the, the hard work of learning is, can be endured. Could I summarize up your uh, position as plants are awesome? Oh, no question about it. They just, their, their awesomeness, if you will, is perhaps a little bit more uh, cloaked or obscure compared to perhaps other living things, specifically animals that tend to be, you know, their uniqueness tend to be really in your face. They move, they interact, they, 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 plants are much more subtle. And so we have to do a better job. You know, my take is we've got to do a better job communicating their wonder to people, be it children all the way up to adults. And you know, the more, because what do you, when you walk outside, what do you see? Plants. So it's like, oh yeah, well they're there. Yeah, but what, what about them is so unique? And lots of plants have very unique stories. It's just finding them and then telling them. <laughs> that hit home. When I fall in love with a plant, I'm willing to learn all about it and endure the failures that inevitably occur all in my efforts to successfully grow the object of my affection. And then I'm compelled to share my joy with others. What gardener has ever pointed at a plant and said, I grow that? No, instead we're willing to tell anyone who'll listen all about the plant, why it's so cool, and what we went through to grow it, and why they need to cultivate it. We gardeners know that our plants are awesome. We delight in their stories. We know their secrets, or we think we do. However, all too often I just brush past them as I hurry on to my next task. I forget that others don't know about their awesomeness. How can we ignore the corpse flower? It smells like rotting flesh. It's the largest bloom in the world, and it heats up to nearly 90 degrees in its effort to attract pollinators. Just as we can't take our eyes off a baby panda because they're so darn cute, we gaze at the corpse flower because it's so uniquely weird. I realize that the plants in my garden can't hold the public's interest the way a baby panda or a corpse flower does, but they deserve to have their stories told. For me, the plants in my garden inspire much awe. So this year, I'm resolving to tell their stories to anyone who'll listen. I hope you all come along for the ride. Now, what's your gardening resolution for the coming year? I'm Lise Jenkins, and this is the Triangle Gardener Show. We're your guide to enjoyable gardening in North Carolina. You can find this and other episodes on our website, trianglegardener.com. You can also find us on iTunes. If you like what we're doing, give us a review. Thanks for listening.